On this episode of Deep Thrones, we review House of the Dragon Season 1, Episode 6, The Princess and the Queen. We discuss the chess match going on between Rhaenyra and Alicent. We break down the deaths of Lionel and Harwin Strong, and we also bid a sad farewell to Lena Valerian, plus many more hilarious segments. Winter is here! <laughs> Welcome to Deep Thrones, review of Season 1, Episode 6, The Princess of the Queen. I, of course, am Sims. Your host, Sheedy's here as well. What's up, Doug? Hey, what's going on, guys? Chris, how are you, man? Coming to us live from... I don't know where you are. You look like you're shooting one of those videos, like you're a hostage or like with the CIA. What's that background? Where are you? A, I'm, I'm in the casting couch room actually right now. <laughs> oh, um, no. No, actually, <laughs> I'm coming to you live from Phoenix. This is actually our first virtual episode, right? Like this is the first out of office episode. Yeah, this is the first time we haven't done in-studio boys since like our OG days. But we did one, I think, during like season seven or season eight of Game of Thrones because there's like a massive snowstorm. I remember I texted you. Oh, it was like right. noon yeah. and I was like, you don't have to come if you don't want to. And you were hanging a little bit. You were out partying because it was a Sunday. And you texted me like, no, dude, I'm definitely coming. And then you got out of bed and looked out the window. <laughs> <laughs> and you were like, on second thought, dude, I'm, not, I'm probably not going to make it. <laughs> classic, classic. Classic party bits. Well, I mean, th- this is just the determination that we have to bring you guys the freshest, awesomest Deep Thrones or Game of Thrones House of the Dragon review of all time. 100%. 100%. We wouldn't have it any other way. And actually, funny enough, not planned, but I'll be traveling next weekend also for work. And that'll be interesting because I sort of, it's my MacBook that we record on. So I'll be doing that in New Jersey. So pray to God I have good reception. Otherwise, it's going to be our most interesting episode yet. But, um, you know, this is a Game of Thrones, Deep Thrones, House of the Dragon podcast, but it wouldn't be us if we didn't discuss a little bit of football. Chris, how, how, you, how, how are you feeling about the Bears? <laughs> you know what? A win is a win. A win is a win it, in the it's NFL. the NFL. You know, you, you got you to gotta beat the teams you're supposed to beat, but this, the Bears looked ugly today. It was, a, it was a low offense game. Justin Fields looked very bad. Yeah. Like, like not even just like offensive line was playing poorly. Like he was making yeah. some bad throws in a clean pocket, and you hate to see that. Um, you hate to, see but it. you know he still is young. It's it's three games in, so I'm not going to jump to any wild conclusions like Skip Bayless or anything. But I will. Uh, I will. He's trash. <laughs> not great. Take him what, out. What do you think trash. about the uh, the Vikings? And Kirk oh. Cousins is my fantasy quarterback today. I know. Oh, listen again. I hate that it falls to this. A win is a win, but I'm the opposite type of fan. When my team doesn't deserve to win, I don't want them to. And the Vikings at home <laughs> played like shit against the Lions. They, for some reason, always play like shit against the Lions. And I don't like bailouts because I feel like it just it gives them another week to sort of be like, look what we did. And hey, if they continue to win, that's great. But if this is another, what, 17 games now, so 9-8 and eight or 8-9 eight and nine season, then it's just another that shot of dopamine and serotonin to move you on to the next week when we probably lose to the Saints in London next weekend. So... Uh, against famous Jameis in London. I hope they got their their Oh tablets. my gosh! Hope they Dude, got he's their... gonna be wearing a top hat and like Dude, one of those monocles. You know it. You know it. He's gonna accidentally find a way to disrespect Prince Charles or King Charles. Now it's gonna be great. 
But what do you say we hop into this episode? Let's dive on I'm in. getting texts right now, very mixed reviews. Uh, we got a text from our legal counsel, Brett, said weird episode. My mom thought it was a weird episode at first. I think I thought it was a weird episode at first, but I loved how it ended. So let's get into yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's walk us through it, and then we'll, we'll have some uh, hot takes at the end. Yeah, we open on Rhaenyra being in labor. Not gonna lie, seems rough. Seems seems difficult. Labor doesn't seem fun, and Rhaenyra is experiencing that. Man, some of the the audio coming from that scene was kind of brutal. Dude. Yeah, yeah. What it was like, very like squishy and like. Very I mean, squishy. I don't. Obviously, I've never been in in a birthing room, but. Yeah. Uh, if that's what it sounds like, I I'm accidentally to walked into one. On. Yeah, I accidentally walked into one once, and I hate it. A lot of squishing, a lot of squashing, and it sounded a lot like sounded, sounded a lot like that. Uh, but she has a boy. But there's a healthy, healthy baby boy. Healthy baby boy, kicking like a goat. The the midwife says. Allison immediately requests to see the child. Lenor, you know, walks in and is like, "This is bullshit." Allison's being rude about it because Allison again is just checking to see what the baby looks like because none of Rhaenyra's children. Are part black, which Lenor, of course, is black. So that's a big, that's obvious sign that he's probably not the father of those children. Maury wouldn't even have him on the show. Also, they've got they've got the white uh, platinum silver Targaryen hair, and the kids just don't don't no, have it at all. They both have so, white hair, and the kids have black hair. You know, black of hair, yeah. kind of like Baratheon style, or kind of like a house strong <laughs> to be a little on the nose. I mean, we discussed. And, we, well, go ahead. Well, yeah, I think we were just about to bring up the same thing because when we were watching the preview, um, and we got like the, they kind of did a cut down version of that scene. Yeah, very but edited. You saw, you saw that Rhaenyra and Lenor got up to, with the baby to go see someone immediately, and I thought I was like, no way, like Rhaenyra's going to get up and go talk to. Allison immediately right away like Renera's not going to be beckoning at her call like that but it turns out you were right um he she was going to go see the queen yeah but the way they framed it though we we discussed all the different ways they could frame it and one of the ways that we put forward in our discussion was Renera's going to do it like they like Allison doesn't even want Renera she just wants to see the kit that's it but Renera said no if she wants to see it I'll fucking bring it you know what I mean and I think that was at least a cool way of making it seem like Rhaenyra's not really at her back and call. Because she wanted just to see the kid, but Rhaenyra's like, oh, she wants to see it? Then fine. I'll, yeah, that's a good point. I'll hand deliver this. Hot and fresh out the oven. I'm bringing in, bringing in the hot. <laughs> um, and then everyone at court is outside of those doors just waiting to see if it's going to be a boy. If, if, yeah. if she's maybe going to end up like Emma did. And then Viserys is in there once she gets into the... You Just know, Viserys and Nelson's chambers. Just smiling. Viserys, dude, listen, we've talked about this. Viserys is a good guy. Yeah. He just doesn't get it, man. He just doesn't no, get it. No, he doesn't. He's starting to look like a senator. He's all old and beat up and crusty. and Missing an arm. Missing everything. <laughs> he's missing <a> everything. <laughs> um, uh, of course, they're like, what are you going to name this young buck? And Lenor goes, oh, Joffrey, which ironically enough, of course, Joffrey Lawnmouth was the, the Knight of Kisses who he loved, who was murdered last episode by Kristen Cole. Again, as for consequences, there are but none. <laughs> Kristen is... No consequences. Again, they didn't show it on screen, but I guarantee you in the edit or maybe even in the script and they just cut it down, there was a, 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 a pardon of maybe even a part where Kristen was like, yeah, he was threatening, he did something, he made a motion, <laughs> you know. 
Uh, yeah, but, we have to assume that because we can't just assume there's a massive no. gaping pothole. Like yeah, that. so we're gonna we're gonna just assume. Um, Allison, I wrote just Allison is mean as fuck. She's being very mean. You know, it is. This is the first chance in this episode that we get to see some of the development that we missed in the ten years. But at this point, there's no going back. There's there's no salvaging a friendship between Allison and Renera. And I think, you know, maybe the switch in actresses actually, or actors actually helped out. You know, I mean, you can really see the chasm that's formed between those two. For sure. The time has passed, and we see just significantly how the time has passed when we go into Rhaenyra's quarters. There is her, her children, Jaharis, and what's the other son's name? Lucaris? Lucerus and Jaceris. Jaceris and Lucerus. Okay, it's a soft Luke scene. and Jace. Luke and Jace. Easy way. Jace is the oldest? It appears. Yes. All right. And of course, they're with Harwin Strong, who's like the uh, Lord Commander of the City Watch, but he's also their dad. I mean, this episode's going to touch on that. They're going to beat it to the ground. He is the dad of those children. They have his black hair, and he's clearly close with them. And I think they kind of know he's their dad, but it's like unspoken. Yeah. It's, it, it's a very, like, again, we talked about this with Lenore and Joffrey. Like how brazen these people are in yeah. House of the Dragon with these relationships. Yeah. Harwin Strong is just there deserting his command yeah. while that last baby's born. It's just like, come on, like everyone's going to know. I, I just think, though, that's a, I, honestly in like a weird reflection of our current world where like the rich sort of do flaunt transgressions a little bit in ways where it's like, if that was anyone else we'd be getting fucked for it. <laughs> you know what I mean? We would be getting yeah. hammered for that same thing. But it's just sort of the, the powerful sort of, I think, when you're powerful and you don't have the reference of being not powerful, all you know is everything kind of falls in your lap. It creates a Dude, very... It's just, like the, it's just like the people just going in and out of Jeffrey Epstein's island without any sort of consequences. Yeah, it's just be, and it also creates a weird morality with those people where it's like, I don't have to, the consequences don't touch me. Um, from there, actually, then, Rhaenyra and Allison's kids both. So Allison's, of course, Aegon and Aemon, and then Jasaris and Lusaris. Not Helena. She is another one of Allison's children, but she is being, of course, raised to be a lady in the court. Uh, they go to the dragon pit, and Jasaris actually makes, I believe it's Vermax heal, which is really cool. Yeah, so they. this is a cool aspect. I, again, I'm, I'm kind of a nerd for these details, but I appreciate that they're showing how the dragons bind with the with their human counterparts and the training aspect, agreed. Which is something we never really saw. I mean, in Game of Thrones, we saw, of course, Danny was quite literally in her mind the mother of her dragons, right? But you know, in this world, there's dozens of dragon dragons eggs. So you kind of, I do appreciate that they explain how they actually become bound together and um, you know, master dragon sort of deal. Yeah, and they reference that Aegon has already tamed Sunfire. Um, and then they kind of fuck with Aemond a little bit, which is Aegon's younger brother. But Aegon is sort of the leader of that fuck. Like, he's tight with Jassaris and Lysaris. Like, they're making fun of his brother with his cousins, or I guess, I don't know what they'd be. Cousins? They're, um, brothers. <sighs> no, perhaps? because it's his... Cause... No. They're they're just they're they're all related. <laughs> they're all related. We just don't know how, yeah. but they're That's all related. Super weird. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the, then they give Aegon a pig with wings, and they say you can ride the the pink dread. And I thought that was cute. 
He, he was yeah, offended by it. It was not cute. It was probably one of the meaner things, and it makes me feel bad for Eamon, yeah. which I don't think I ever would have said prior to this scene, but, but I feel bad for Eamon. This is a, this is a moral on bullying, because me and Chris have been posting it on the Deep Thrones pod Instagram, at Deep Thrones pod. Eamon becomes a badass, so be careful who you guys bully, all right? Because Eamon's going to show up to the Dragon Pit one day with a briefcase shaped like, like Vermax. <laughs> <laughs> So you better be Dude, fucking careful. If if Eamon tells you to leave the red keep, you leave, the red, yeah, up you leave the red keep. You get out of there. Yeah, because he's coming from the sky. Um, uh, so he goes, but he he's a curious boy, and he goes downstairs and he sees a big boy, and he wants one of the big boys because he doesn't have a dragon that he's tamed yet. Big boy breathes fire. I don't know which dragon it is. I'm just gonna call him the big boy. He yeah, breathes, I couldn't tell which dragon it was either. It's got to be one of the older ones, uh, and it's not. It's obviously not. Uh, ver, uh, uh, what's the one that Lena rides? Was that Vermax? Yeah, Vermax. Vagar. Vagar, Vagar, and it's on the which is uh, in like Essos. Um, mm-hmm. It blows fire. He gets a little dirty. He gets a little, a little uh, lightly seared, and he goes back. <laughs> Allison's having a discussion with Helena. Allison is a good mom, and we see it. She loves her kids, obviously now. And then Eamon walks in, and he's and you know he's all wrecked up. And Allison kind of says like, "Hey, you know, don't get yourself killed, you idiot." Yeah, what was interesting about this scene is I, I think they're kind of hinting at Helena being maybe on the spectrum a little bit, or at least very removed from yeah. reality. She's kind of analyzing this millipede that she's playing around with and talking about the different sections of it and how some legs move and others don't, which yeah. is like not a regular conversation for a child to be having. But she was also was then, uh, talking about its eyes. Yeah, well, so she mentioned when Eamon came in and Allison's kind of giving him that the up business as well. for, yeah, giving him the business for trying to tame a dragon and almost dying and getting burned alive. Well, Helena, well, Allison first says, you will ride a dragon one day. And Helena says, he'll have to lose an eye first. Yeah. Or something along so those something lines. About one is, of, I think she's talking about the little, is she still talking about her little centipede thing i think about it having the one eye right see but i don't reflects. i kind of i kind of picked up on like she maybe has some of viserys's like dreaming mm, i love that premonitions okay yes i like that a lot so i i, I think and no that, one's that listening to I her up from it. no one's taking her seriously but she's right. like spouting out these truths that's pretty cool mm-hmm. i like that angle um let's see here Elston, of course, goes to Viserys and immediately blames Rhaenyra. Viserys even throws it out there. He's like, hey, for all we know, Aegon was in on it, you know? And then yeah. finally she just lays it out there and she's like, listen, those aren't Lenor's kids. And and then Viserys shows a wildly he's how uneducated he is and how genetics works. He's like, I don't know about that. Some about horses and shit. Yeah, he gets and then into horses. And just like, dude, how do you even know that that was the horse that impregnated her yeah he's honestly Viserys is choosing what he wants to see he's very old and he wants to believe because he knows the writing's on the wall and I got to admit I I said this while watching the episode they kind of they made Viserys last episode way too sickly he was coughing up blood he collapsed like three times and then it's a 10-year time jump and he's like "Eh." (laughs) it's like you you could have made him a little uh, he's still sickly but less sickly Maybe yeah, one less collapse, but, one less know, lung I do of blood. Think, 
I do think I don't think he's traveled at all since then, and I True. think that I think being on the ship really really jazzed him up. So I don't think he's like moved from the Red Keep since in, in ten years. True, or at least done. it doesn't look like that. And then one one of the lines that we actually saw in, in the trailer way back when I think it was before the the show even started was from Allison to Viserys saying to have one child like that is a mistake, but to have three is an insult. Yeah. And it's like and she's not yeah, lying. She's they're not they're not hiding anything. They're flaunting it, right? And I think mm-hmm. that's becoming clear to everybody. And Allison takes it as a great insult, and, and obviously Allison at this point is just using it to politic um, because she wants you know she wants what Rhaenyra has, which is the right to the throne. And she even kind of says like this is disrespectful even to the Valerians. Except we haven't seen yet Corlys's or Rhaenys' reaction to these children. They're not in this episode right. at all, um, which is sort of. I think, and when people say that episode was weird, or when people, the critiques I'm getting via text, or whether it be the likes I'm getting via text, I think we have to remember what Chris and I originally said a few episodes back, which is, they have the opposite problem in Game of Thrones, which is first season, by far, is their most difficult to write. Because time-wise, they have to get so much in, in such a little bit of time, we can't have ten seasons of like, hey, Jasaris is six now, you know? You gotta get yeah. there. Um, so there we go with it, and I feel like to this point, they've done it pretty well. We all can have complaints about it. I mean, shit, we had a discussion earlier this week where I had a bunch of complaints. But at the end of the day, tonight, I think they really tied it up nicely. Yeah, I think we're I think we're getting to where we need to be. Uh, like we talked about, there were a couple of questionable decisions that they it's made gonna as happen far in as any not explaining some things. But I think we're getting to where we need to be, and, exactly. and, and it's going well so far. Exactly. Kristen and Allison then have a talk. Kristen is fully indoctrinated on the green side. Allison's like, how does Viserys not see it? Kristen says he's choosing to see what he wants to see. And then Kristen calls Rhaenyra the C word. I will not repeat yeah. it. Listen, I'm team green still I die, but I'm not going to lie. Every team has that one player that maybe even annoys the fans, and that's Kristen for me. I'm like, come on, dude. Straighten your act up. Wow. You whiny little... Wow. He's whiny, dude. I don't like his attitude. I love Allison. Can't wait till Otto's in next episode, but man, Kristen... Jesus, you know it's. I I think that Kristen's going to be one of the main instigators in the actual physical action against Rhaenyra and the Black Side. Yeah. Now he was know, this episode, this episode too in a lot see, of ways. Yeah, he was, and, and we see someone else was a little bit more of an active instigator. Not so much against Rhaenyra, but more so for Allison. But we can right. talk about that when we get to that. Yeah. So from there, Aegon is just jerking off out a window. <laughs> it's very weird. And also, it looked very similar to the window that Tommen jumped out of, didn't it? Yeah. So a lot of kings have shot out of that window. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of royal blood. Is, a lot of royal <laughs> DNA is flown out there. Royal Jesus is flying out of yeah. that window. Just imagine, just imagine being a dude walking in the God's Wood down below and being like, oh, what the fuck just hit me? It was a bird shit. Oh, oh, hey, what do you think... <laughs> No, 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 no. That's, yeah, that's Prince Come. Oh, I don't know. He's just sometimes you ever just vibe. You just use the. He's probably just using his imagination. You know, sometimes that. Sometimes that's better. <laughs> Let's move yeah, on. Yeah, I guess. Man. But it did. My mind immediately went to Tommen when that happened, which is good. And then, uh, and then it was hilarious though because the transition to this scene at the very end of it with Allison's conversation with Kristen Cole, she said. In the end, I hope that um, honor and decency prevail. 
And then they switch to Aegon yeah. just ripping himself up. Yeah, he's just no lube going raw on himself, teaching himself. I mean, <laughs> removing a layer of skin for all we know. And then Allison walks in and she goes absolutely hard on him. She grabs his face. She's like, what don't you fucking get? I'm tired of you being friends with your cousins. We'll say cousins. Your brother, Aemon, is your blood. Rhaenyra is a threat to you guys. Um, he even at one point, she's like, what are you going to do when she becomes queen? He's like, I won't challenge her. It's cool. And she's like, you are the fucking challenge. Yeah, that that actually was, it was very much the same conversation that Otto had with Alicent as Otto was leaving the yes. Red Keep. So, uh, you know, you can see these, you can see these high towers really getting into each other's heads. All the conniving and scheming, yeah. you know. Gaslighting is it's passed just, down from generation to generation to generation. It's almost like it would just be so much better if the high towers just went and fucked off and you know weren't involved with any of this. Yeah, and then I think this is what most people will have their um, qualms about with this episode is sort of the jarring Damon situation. I think this was the jarring part for me. Damon is just like living in Essos with Lena. She never, I guess, married the the Sea Lord of Bravos's son. And they have, like, two kids with one on the way. It was just a very jarring, like, oh, okay, right? Yeah, you know what? So I, I, I can fill in the gap on that. And this is what we kind of hinted toward where you have to, I mean, you're going to have to skip some things if you're making a 10-year time to. jump. You got to. But so where we left off in episode five, Lena was betrothed to the Sea Lord of Bravos's son. That Sea Lord of Bravos died. That son Oh, was no. struggling to find allies after his death. So he fled and went to um, Driftmark or Hightide, whichever one, doesn't matter, went to the Valerian house. And because that prince didn't have any allies, the strength of the betrothal was pretty much gone. Right. And Corlys Valerian said, well, I'm not going to, I'm not going to have that marriage go through. And Damon stepped in and said, well, don't worry, I can take that problem off your hands. And basically heckled the Sea Lord's son so much that he had no choice but to duel Damon. And Damon basically crab-feeded him, uh, cutting him in half. And then Lana's hand was free, and he proposed to her, and the rest is rest. Wow, that's so so romantic. Good for him. (laughs) Love that. So that's the thing then. The, the the like the guy offers them land in Pentos to I guess just like do dra- like ride dragons, breathe fire, and he's like, We'll take care of you because you guys are like a sideshow onto yourself. Lena doesn't respect that offer. She doesn't want to be a sideshow. She they they have bigger meaning in Westeros. She wants to be at Driftmark, at High Tide. She wants her child born there amongst her family, you know, and her heritage. So this this magister of Pentos, his name's Prince Reggio, and I actually picked up that you know, he was kind of hinting that they could ride around on their dragons and all this stuff. But what he was really trying to say was like, we need protection against the triarchy. Right. Especially since they allied with Dorne. Tell you one thing. Pentos is basically fucked. Guy named Prince Reggio, you know, he can spin, he can make a good pie. All right. You go down to Prince Reggio's pizza parlor is uh flame broiled. <laughs> uh, the dragons cook it. All right. Prince Reggio. You got the Gabagool. He got the Gabagool. Prince Reggio's like, Hey, forget about going back to West Coast. Oh, you stay. <laughs> Hey, forget about it. You stay here, all right? Take care of you. We need your help. 
Um, and from there, Kristen, oh, it's a great scene. He's training Allison and Rhaenyra's children, except he's not really training Rhaenyra's at all. He's just training Allison's. He spars with Aemon and Aegon. He's like, come on, let me see what you got. Viserys is up top, crusty as ever, loving it, laughing. Like, look at my grandchildren and sons all playing. Isn't this great? And then Harwin is kind of like, hey, why don't you train all of them, you fuck? And he's yeah, not um, hiding the fact at all that they're his kids. What is Harwin even doing there? Right? I don't know. Shouldn't he be watching the city? Should he be some yeah. city watching? It's uh, it's brazen. It's stupid, and it, it spirals into uh, what's going to be probably the best ep- moment of the episode. But before we get into that, I did want to ask your opinion on something in the last scene between Lena and Damon. Shoot, uh, Lena is pushing very hard at going back to Westeros because she misses her family and she wants to get involved with the court stuff and all that. Right. And Damon says none of that's for him anymore. He hates all the scheming. He doesn't like the uh, fight for the throne and all this. Do you think that that's true, that Damon's like actually happy in his new life? Or do you think he just feels defeated and doesn't want to go back and get banished again? I think that's most of it. I think he's probably just tired of that part of it. But I do think that, again, I think that character survives in chaos. And I think that for him, it's a timing thing. I think that like he 100% has intentions of going back to Westeros, but it has to make sense for Damon. And I'm sure he's a good husband okay. to Lena. I'm sure he's a good father to their children. But at the end of the day, number one for Damon is always going to be Damon Targaryen. And I truly believe that. Even no matter who he helps we see going forward, I think best intentions are for him. And I think this is why casual fans and people who maybe didn't read the books will look at this episode and be like, oh, what's going on with Damon? Like, we, There's nothing setting up for him to want to be retired because all we've known is him wanting to be in the action. The 10 years, you can say maybe yeah. he's an older man now. He's tired. But I think that's why some people might be like, huh, to that episode, which is 100% fair and valid. I don't really feel that way. I really liked it, and I liked how they set up Damon because I think Damon now has more cause than ever to return because his wife is dead. Um, but yeah. I, I'm really curious to see. I think next week, like we said, shit really pops off. Absolutely. That, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so let's let's pick up where we left off before I interjected on that one. No, it was a great question. We were talking about Kristen uh, training all the kids uh, and then Harwin being there for no reason, throwing smoke. Aegon sort of destroys Jasaris and like kind of is using shitty technique. Like he's kicking, he's sort of going backhanded and Kristen is like, well, this is fight is a fight, you know. And then Harwin gets pissed and then they start duking it out. And there's already all this rumor, there's already all this speculation that he is the father of Rhaenyra's children, which again is a great crime, like they're bastards, they're supposed to be the heir to the heir, which also, let's talk about, I mean, we'll talk about this later, but so then Harwin and Cole get into a flat out fight, and it's not really a fight, Harwin's beating the shit out of Cole. Yeah, Har- or, um, Chris and Cole kind of takes the same approach that Joffrey Lamoth did. Right. In episode five, he's kind of hinting at this stuff, and he's he's doing it with very, very intentional purposes. Kristen here. wanted him to beat him up. Kristen wanted to get. He was ready to get punched in the face. This was him for Alice. Hey, well, he says most men would only have that kind of devotion. Well, and first of all, he makes a good point. Why the hell is Harmon Strong even there? Exactly. He's supposed to be. He's supposed to be watching the city. But anyways, Kristen Cole says most men would only have that kind of devotion toward a cousin. Or, you know, brother or yeah, a suck. Yeah. And then Harwin swings on his ass. When Harwin starts beating him up and then he's pulled off and Cole kind of smirks and goes, like, I figured. Um, 
you know, that Cole, for Cole, that's mission accomplished. He can go back to his queen and be like, look at my fa- my bashed face will tell you all you need to know. And now the whole courtyard knows. And now the whole court will yeah. know. And then the city. And from there. I mean, Viserys was there. Lionel was there. They're there's still, no, yeah. They're sitting right there. For Cole, it's mission accomplished. All he had to do was take a couple punches. But that's a small price to pay for his queen. And we cut to Rhaenyra walking through because the, the queen, or one of her handmaids was like, hey, there was a kind of an issue. So Rhaenyra kind of walked through the halls and she hears Lionel Strong hand to the king, father of Harwin, being like, you put our house at such great risk. And we all knew the truth, but we could at least hide it. And now we can't even hide it. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't even have anything to add there. It's it's plain as day. <laughs> yeah. It's plain as day. Yeah, so Rhaenyra's having some post-pregnancy uh, pain. Um, and then Lenor shows up, drunk as fuck. He's with his buddy. All right. He's just a, he's, his name's Carl with with a Q, Q A R L. What a name. And I think and and they're buddies. All right. Oh, Possibly yeah, lovers. They're, real, they're, they're acquaintances. They're sparring partners. And um, she's kind of like you know, and, and Lenor is like hyped for the Stepstones War. He's kind of got a little Robert Baratheon in him. He's tired. He doesn't like court. He doesn't like being around. Uh, Rhaenyra, he wants to be around a bunch of boys, and he wants to be in in the in the fight, you know. Mm-hmm. And Rhaenyra actually says, "You know, you you can you can roll around waggling your sword and winking at your sailors and all this, but you know you can't just leave when when the storm kicks in." She said, "You better Lan- wake up to the rumors, buddy." Yeah, and and Lainor's response was, "Smart sailors flee when the storm comes in." Yeah. And so, uh, but there is a good conversation here. Lenor says, I played my part for 10 years, and basically saying that their agreement still stood, right? What yeah. we saw in episode five when young Renero was speaking with Lenor and oh, yeah. saying, you, you can have your taste in whatever. You eat what your duck. Sheep and ducks. ducks and yeah, geese. Whatever. You eat your mm-hmm. duck. I'll eat my goose. Everyone's happy. Everything will be copacetic. But so he, she eventually tells him that as his, as his queen to be, I forbid you from going to the war. And Lenor has nothing he can do. Mm-hmm. So he's like, all right. Uh, then there's a small council meeting. It's hot. Small council meeting is hot. Rhaenyra and Allison are disagreeing with each other at this point, just for the sake of disagreeing with each other. This is me and you on Call of Duty. They are going at it. It's heated. <laughs> They're like, if one goes left, the other goes right. One's country, one's rock and roll. Uh, it's and it's cool to see. Yeah, they, so they're of course they're talking about the Brackens and Blackwoods quarreling in the Riverlands. You know what else is new? That's all those. That's I, all those. I knew you did. were going to bring that up. I knew you were going to bring that up. <laughs> yeah, I saw, as soon I as I saw that on screen, I was like, "He fanboys so hard for those fucking Brackens and dude, Blackwoods." The bla- dude, the black the, the Blackwoods are my boys, dog. All my homies love the Blackwoods. Dude, sorry, man. I'm Bracken. <laughs> I'm Bracken till I die. That man was murdered in cold blood, and that little Blackwood didn't have to face any consequences. Dude, he called him a dumb cunt. I mean, that's you're you're, gonna, you're gonna swing over that. True, um, you know. But they do a couple things to pay attention to, and you can easily miss this. They mention Grover Tully, um, who's the current Lord of River Run. But in that same conversation, they say that Grover is too old, and his son basically rules River Run in all but name. His son, uh, they didn't mention his name. I hope they keep it the same as it was in Fire and Blood. But his name's Kermit. Which is going to yeah, be very funny. That's good fun. We're going to have to like bust out Kermit some Kermit impressions. <laughs> I really. That's good fun. That's good. That's, that's good stuff. That's good stuff. And I then, uh, and Thailand and Allison are ready to move on. They're like, let the Riverlands handle this. And Rhaenyra actually is pretty badass and chimes in in this situation. 
Yeah, Rhaenyra has a lot of opinions, too. I mean, she brings up stuff about that. She brings up the Stepstones and how they fucked it up because they didn't have any fortifications. They mm-hmm. didn't do anything to prevent further war. Uh, Allison's like, well, we don't have the money for it. And, and Rhaenyra's like, well, war is way more costly than anything we could have done to prevent war. And then Rhaenyra ends it by, be, I think, being a very mature person. She apologizes for the recent strife, and she proposes a marriage. She proposes Jasaris marries Helena. And Allison kind of weasels out of it by being like, your titties are leaking. Yeah. It, it was a very fair proposal. It sucks that... Um, Super fair proposal. Makes a lot of sense. It, it sucks that... Like, this is part of, like, why the, in this world there's this, like, sexist idea that women can't rule because of... Because, like, you just had a kid a few days ago, so now your your boobs are leaking a little bit. Like, yeah. And I feel like in, in a real-life meeting now, like, even if that happened, it wouldn't be, like, frowned upon. It'd be like, hey, like, this is happening. Just yeah, you just take care of that and come that. back sort of deal, you know? Yeah. Um, but, like, in this in this world, it's like, oh, everything she just said is invalidated now because of that. Yeah, which, but, but which also sucks. It's, it sucks that it's Allison, who's, like, another woman perpetuating that against yeah. her, right? So they're doing that, yeah, they're pitting true. one against each other. Viserys doesn't care. He turns to Renair and he's like, that's such a noble and mature proposal. Like, he's all smiles in his old age. He's all <laughs> Yeah, I don't it. even know that Viserys noticed what, what was going on. He, no, Viserys is just like, where the fuck did my thumb go? It just flopped off, probably. And he was looking under the table for it. Um, this, there was actually a couple, like, LOL moments in this in this episode. One of them was, um, they're, like, moving on from the conversation of the Riverlands, and Lord Beesbury just goes... Oh, I think the Blackwoods have the upper hand in that battle. And yeah. Grandmaster Orwell just turns and says, dude, we've moved on from this now. <laughs> so that's the thing, too. Melos is dead, I guess. Orwell's taken over. Yeah, um, yeah, a lot that of these, happened. A lot of these guys are old. It's just, again, it's one of those things that we kind of got to just deal with. There's another dude sitting next to Rhaenyra at the small council. I, yeah, I, I don't even know who that couldn't pick that dude out of a lineup. That's some of the yeah. shit that I think people will be frustrated but about. But you know what? Hey, if you listen to Deep Thrones, you knew that Malos was going to die and Orwell was going to be the Grand Maester. So you did. Hey, just keep listening to us and you won't miss anything within the 10 years span. No. If you've already, honestly, yeah. If, and honestly, if Drunk Sims shows up, he'll spoil the whole thing. He'll be like, you guys don't even fucking <laughs> guess what? Boom, boom, dragon. <laughs> no, Chris, don't. Chris, don't do it. Um, but so Allison tells Viserys, like, just between them, like, that's not fucking happening. Helena's not marrying their bastard, you know? And Viserys is like, no, no, like, I'm the king. And she's like, over my fucking dead body. And Viserys is a pushover. He's like, okay, whatever. Uh, he just moves on. Viserys still, like, actually thinks peace is an, is an option at peace this point. Peace is no longer. And it's, it's, yeah, it's sad. It's an illusion. It's sad. Lionel Strong visits Viserys to retire. Viserys says, why? Lionel says, my son, due to accusations, due to his performance in the courtyard with Kristen Cole, who's a Kingsguard, it's unbecoming. Um, so I got to give you my badge. And Viserys says, well, you have to speak plainly what the rumor is. And Lionel's like, I can't do that. And he's like, then you can't retire. And then Lionel says, well, let's make a deal. Can I at least take my son back to Harrenhal where we apparently the Lords of Harrenhal, which I didn't know. Um, oh yeah. Strong. So yeah. yeah strong which, honestly, Harrenhal. Harrenhal, as we all know, cursed castle. And, uh, Viserys gives him leave to take him to Harrenhal. Allison doesn't like it cause she needed them there to sort of perpetuate the, the rumors and well, the truths, but at this point, at least rumors against Rhaenyra as to who the parentage, the father of her children are. Um, this is actually a smart move by Lionel Strong. hundred percent. You know, we really didn't get to see too much of like how his brain operates independently. I know. But I think this, I think this was a 
well-calculated decision on his part. Uh, obviously, you can't predict what's going to happen next, but... I think that the overall season one has had some pacing issues in terms of character development, but it doesn't... I mean, again, they have to do it. So it's it's sort of... You, you cut the small stuff, um, and if it's if people are like, well, that's the stuff we loved about Game of Thrones, like you're going to get that going forward. It's just this mm-hmm. was a very specific season of like they had they had to do things. Um, so he gives them the right to do that. But then Allison goes and has dinner with his other son, Laris, who's sort of a snake and tells Allison, like, if you need help, I'll give you help. And it's a very long scene. But long story short, Laris goes to essentially the, uh, the, 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 the cells beneath the red key. What are they called? The black cells. Black cells. And he says, he's like, hey, you guys are all going to hang, but you don't need to. Small price to pay if you don't want to hang. Uh, so the boys get their tongues, t- the two guys get their tongues cut out, and then they go on a little mission for old Laris Strong. I was wondering where they were going to lead with that. We got the we got the answer really quick, but I was kind of confused as to why he was cutting tongues out um, yeah. at that time. I do, I do want to say in the scene uh, with Laris and Allison having dinner, this this Talia lady. It's like the third time they mention her name, and she's just a handmaiden for Allison. And I'm I'm wondering what her role is going to be in in the future. I think she's, she's a spy. Yeah, she's she's gonna have some sort of significance because they're not gonna mention her name. There's hella servants in the show, and we don't hear their names. She's always creeping often. in too when something's about to go down. She's always just like yeah. hearing the last word and then leaving. So. She might be a mis- she might be a Missaria, the white uh, worm spy. spy. Love yeah. that. I love that. We then cut. Lena's giving birth. It's not going too hot. She's gonna die essentially. It's it's another. It's the same exact choice Viserys had to make. But Damon can't make the choice. He he says like, uh, nah. He's like, don't don't cut her open for the baby. Uh, and then there's a cut, a straight cut to her just walking out. Which again, people watching that will be like, what the fuck just happened? I think you're supposed to believe that maybe a few hours has passed and Damon went to bed, or everyone kind of separated for a minute to give Lena the the room. And then Lena makes her exit to essentially the sandy shores there and she vagar's chilling she says dracaris and vagar doesn't want to do it because vagar's like no you're my rider i can't burn you mm-hmm. vagar it's looks a, old he's an old boy he's an old big boy yeah I, I do like what they did with with vagar and he sounds older too than some of the other dragons but yeah um you know t- to focus on lena here you see the contrast of damon and and viserys and these are the kind of scenes where it's like there are some redeeming qualities about Damon, but also he like does horrible things and like leads his niece on and murders his wife and like all this stuff. So, mm-hmm. you know, how many times have we had conversations where <clears throat> we're like, Oh, you know, you think Allison's this bad of a person or, you know, fill in the blank. Is this the bad of the person yet you're rooting for Damon? Well, like this is one of the scenes where it's like, Maybe he does have some redeeming qualities. He's not that for sure awful of a human being. He's like, no, Lena, don't. And then Vagar's like, too late. She said it the tenth time. I gotta do it. She's she's my <laughs> boss. And literally, Vagar's like, sorry, bud. This one's already through, and he burns her. And uh, Lena and the unborn baby both uh, de- suicide by dragon, essentially. Um, probably a peaceful death and compared in, to what she was going to be facing anyway. And fire and blood. Lena also died during childbirth, but she got up went down kind of on that walkway on Pentos and they, you know, one of the secondhand sources said that she was going to try to ride Vagar for the last time, knowing that she was going to die. Oh. And then, uh, you know, she passed away there, but I like, that. I like how the show did this. The, 
Yeah, in the show, you know, she had different intentions, which, you know, I again, the creative freedom, I don't mind what they did there. It's, no. it, it's a... Um, it's a tragic, it adds to the tragedy of the experience, but it also yeah. shows that Lena just wasn't going to lay back and he says what happened uh, passively, just like Emma did. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, well, I guess Emma was kind of screaming and kicking, so passively might have been a bad yeah. well, uh, word for it. She but. sort of did her duty, I think. And I think, honestly, removed from it, Emma would have said, save the child. You know what I mean? But when you're in that yeah. moment, it's difficult to say that. I mean, it's, it's your life, it's your life, you know? And we end the episode with sort of a monologue by Lara Strong while we see those two guys who got their tongues cut out with their tongues sewed to their fucking jackets. And those guys then uh, essentially follow Lionel Strong and Harwin Strong, which again, it makes it crazier that Lara Strong essentially ordered this hit into the gates of Hall. They go to sleep. Next thing you know, there's a giant fire. And uh, Harwin is locked in his room. Lionel's trying to break him out. The floor gives way and those two fall to their fiery death. And while they fall their fire death, Laris is given this monologue to Allison, essentially saying, and essentially the theme is like, in this world, love will hold you back. And it's symbolic yeah. for Laris being like, I don't need my fucking brother and father to be successful. Yeah. At, 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 in that monologue, he says, love is a downfall. Best to make your way through life unencumbered. You know what's interesting, though? To me, it seemed like Lionel did a good job. Typically, when you're when you're looking at some of these relationships, especially with like handicapped people in the Game of Thrones world, right. they're like bullied or you know set back. Like Tyrion was always made fun of for being little and things like that. Well, to me, it didn't seem like Larys faced much of that, especially no. not from Harwin yeah. or Lionel. Our only so experience it, with him with them, like last episode, him and Harwin were kicking it at that dinner together. Yeah, exactly. This is a so, power grab. You know, for me, like someone like Tyrion had all the motives to want to kill Tywin, but for Laris to do the same to his brother and father, I wish kind of we got more of an explanation than that monologue Agreed. on that. Agreed. Um, I think that the explanation might come in the future in terms of just how he acts. I think that some people, I think that the, the juxtaposition to Tyrion would say, well, Tyrion had a reason, but Tyrion also was a noble, good man. Laris might not have a reason. I mean, serial killers don't have a reason. They just fucking do it. And I think his yeah, reason, you could argue, is power grab. Who now is the, the Lord of House Lord Strong? Of Fair and all. Yeah, yeah, it's Laris. And now who who and who's, who trusts him more than ever? Allison said, like, I never wanted you to do this. And Laris looks at him and goes, man, there needs to be a new hand to the king. Do you know anyone who'd be great for that position? Oh, your dad? And she's kind of like, yeah. oh, yeah, you're right, Laris. So Laris has now <laughs> put himself as Lord of Harrenhal, power grab. He's also put himself in the good graces of Queen Allison, who he's sort of propping up. I think it was and this is a, our move. This is this is how he's probably going to end up getting a seat on the small council. Yeah, you know, I mean, if if, if he's in Otto's and Allison's good favors, then yeah, the, the sky's the limit there. Yeah, the master of pains. Another thing that I that was just like it was a brief scene toward the end of the episode, but. It is important. Rhaenyra announces that her and the fam are going to go back to Dragonstone. Yeah, and Car and Carl can go with, which is which is funny. Yeah. But, they're going to Dragonstone. Harwin did say goodbye to the boys, so at least they got. And, and Jasara said, "Is he my dad?" And Rhaenyra's like, "Shut up." She, she said, "You're a Targaryen. That's all that that's matters." All that great line. So she great didn't line. say no, but um, she say yes. What do you think as far as you know? A lot of the conversation had around this episode was. How are Emma and 
Olivia. Olivia Cook going okay. to do their the acting's amazing. Venera. Their acting's also, amazing. They did great. I don't think it skipped a no, beat. They knocked that out of the park. The show writers did great in that respect. They've never had trouble from my perspective with those characters. It's always been the side characters where I'm like, where are we? You know what I mean? That's always been the hard part for me with the time jumps and the pacing. In terms of Emma and Olivia's performance, they were amazing. And I think they're going to be amazing mm-hmm. going forward. I think for, for show viewers, it's like it's... And for people who aren't mega fans like us, it's jarring and you kind of got to get used to it. I mean, I, I heard my dad say to my mom, man, we got to get used to these the new characters. And I was like, well, they're the same characters. They're new actors. Granted, they all yeah. have kids. So those are new characters you got to get into. I mean, now Damon has kids. Rhaenyra has kids. Allison has kids. They're all grown up. And you're kind of like, who's who? And in two episodes, the kids are going to be different actors. Right. So yeah. I'm ready for that. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I don't. And that's the thing. I don't begrudge anyone for being critical of that. I don't. This episode I really liked, and I guarantee you people won't like it, but I think I've been, I think we both have been very critical of this season so far. We've liked it, but this episode Mm -hmm. I really liked. So if anyone gives me any fucking bullshit for liking it, just know I've been critical so far. It's an opinion-based game, and I'm allowed to have an opinion. Yeah, it's our opinion. We we can we can maybe have the opinion. We can maybe read the opinion back. Yeah. But we can do what we want. Go ahead and fl- listen. If you have any suggestions, put them in the suggestion box. All right, and we will look at them. We will read them. I promise. <laughs> also, while we're on the topic of the acting, I thought that Adult Lena did a fantastic job this episode. Agreed. Adult Lena was great. At one point, I did kind of like I couldn't get a read on her accent. You know what I mean. Uh, I couldn't yeah. like at one point it wasn't as English sounding. You know, does that you get what I'm saying? I felt like yeah. young Lena was very like I'm English, and then this Lena had like hints of like Essos in it, like a little of that, and I was like, well, that confused me. But she did great. She did great. Yeah, I, I, if I, if I were to explain that, I would think that the dialogue that we saw from young Lena was toward a king in a very like true scripted fashion. True. Whereas now this Lena is doing her own thing. She's hey, red guess, dragon. Guess She's what? having a good time. We don't got to worry about it anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> One that's and true. done. All right, best acting gig in the business. What would you rate that episode? I'm I'm gonna give it a seven point eight. I thought okay. the content was really good i you know obviously there's some of those things that we discussed that we wish maybe we had a little bit better explanation but i think where we started and where we ended in that one episode was great plot development and i think um there's some important stuff and some fucked up stuff that happened so 7.8 i'm giving it i'm giving it an eight again i expect people to be pretty critical of that episode in terms of just the final time jump and that's a hundred percent fair i respect that opinion completely I was jarred first 15 minutes in. I was like, I don't know. And it ended at an eight for me. And I mean that. I genuinely mean that. And I've been more critical than House of the Dragon than anyone yet. So I'm allowed to have an episode that I think. And I think next week, I mean, just based on what it looks like, I'm hyped. Um, yeah, I think now it, they, it I does think, look good. Yeah. <laughs> and it, well, while we're on the topic of kind of feedback and opinions, I think now is where we where we see a lot of the Allison opinions are going to really start making sense because again, the the lines have been drawn. The kids are all involved now. There's real stakes. They both think that if one takes the throne, the other one's going to kill their, their kids. So, you know, at this point, yes, I understand everyone wanting to cut each other's heads off. I, I was saying that I don't necessarily agree with Allison hate, early on when she was being thrust upon Viserys and all right. that. It'll become just episode like you see yeah. like yeah, she's getting there for sure. She's getting there. Same for with Renera sure. though. She'll get there too. First so. off, I want to point that out though. 
and I was going to say this earlier and I held off on it. Rhaenyra has literally been handed the right to the throne and she has continued, like, even having the Strong's children, like, she's not, she's fucking up. You have to admit that. Allison's always done her duty. Rhaenyra's never done her duty and yet continues to get what she wants. You know what I mean? So this, yeah. this Allison hate continues to be so misguided. Now it becomes justified. But to say, oh, now it's justified. Well, it's like Rhaenyra is going to be doing shitty things too. And she will continue yeah. to do shitty things because it's going to be war. And in war, let me tell you something. It's easy because we live in a world today where we're like, that's the good guy, that's the bad guy. But it's, sometimes it's easy for shit to be gray. And this, that's that's what we love about. That's what we love about George. That's what we love about. There's characters are the, 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 the characters are so are capable of great good and great evil. It's like you <laughs> fucking nerd, dude. Stop saying that. <laughs> All right, best All line. Right. Yes, Queen. What is your best line? Did, did, okay, I'll lead us. Wait, did I rate it? I was trying to remember. I gave yeah, it an eight, eight, and you gave you it seven point eight. eight. So I had a couple best lines, but since I'm going first, I'm gonna rip. I'm gonna rip this one. Um, it was from Allison to Viserys, and we talked about it before, but it was this one. To have one child like that is a mistake. To have three is an insult. Okay, that was my best line. Oh, and I didn't wow, have a backup. I should have had a backup. Well, well, I've got a couple backups. Uh, I think my backup was going to be Rhaenyra. You're a Targaryen. That's all that matters. Okay, yeah, that is good. The, another good one was from Allison to Viserys. When Viserys was saying, oh, that's a good patrol, though, and everything with Rhaenyra. And Allison goes, you may do as you wish, husband, when I'm cold and in my grave. Yeah. <laughs> like, good. the odds that she dies before him. Like, come on. Right. He's exactly. like, he's like, don't be She knows what she's saying. Yeah. What's your Yas Queen? My Yas Queen was from also Allison. Allison's just delivering all this stuff. But to Lenore, do keep trying, Sir Lenore. Sooner or late, you may get one that looks like you. Yeah, that was my Yas Queen. <laughs> but my other Yas Queen was, um, I'm trying to think. Oh, yeah, Viserys was like, he says to, to Rhaenyra, he's like, was it very painful? And she's like, at one point I called the handmaid a dumb cunt. <laughs> <laughs> that was I was nice. like, good for you, Rhaenyra. Love that. All right, uh, hottest moment. I'll go first for this one. My hottest what moment was, was, was Aegon getting bullied. Because like I said earlier, you better be careful. Be careful who you bully because he might be a little runt now, but... He's, he's not even a teenager yet, and teenagers' kids hit growth spurts. All right, and he's gonna get he's gonna hit a growth spurt physically and mentally. He's gonna I don't know get a little weird. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, Eamon, that was I, like I said, I never felt bad for Eamon reading through the books, but that scene was kind of like, guys, come on. Talk about um, short lived though. That's short lived. He's gonna be a dick so fast. Yeah, <laughs> my my hottest moment was the uh, training scene in the courtyard. Just the combination of, the, I mean, the boys were wearing green on the high tower side. Yes. And Jason, Luke, and them were wearing red and black, and they're going at it. Just and then, on the nose. You know, Kristen Cole's backing up the greens, and then Harwin gets involved backing up the blacks and reds. So it, I thought that it was kind of a good uh, foreshadowing of the future, even though Harwin's dead now. But Yeah, yeah. So next segment, you blew it. Um, my you blew it was from that scene. It was Harwin letting Kristen Cole get under his skin. So Harwin break bones. You blew it. You fucking blew it. You didn't even break any bones. You blew it, Harwin. You blew it. We love Talk you, about buddy. Someone you that 
Talk about someone that could have used some character development, though. It would have been cool to get more of his, what, what I mean, his motives and story was. Our introduction to Harwin essentially was when Rhaenyra was running through the streets and she bumps into him and he's like, be careful, princess. And then it was him beating people up and then it was this episode and now he's dead. Well, we also got a little bit of him checking checking Rhaenyra out at the hunt, remember that? Right. When she came back covered in blood. Right. But again, I think that's sort of the issue that I had at least was that like these small characters like could use a little some some juice. Give them a little For juice. Sure. For sure. Um Maya Blew It was kinda the same situation, but more so the fact that Harwin just went ham on Chris and Cole in front of everyone, in front of the king, in front of the yeah. hand of the king. And now just like everyone knows what they pretty much thought they knew, but they know now for sure. So, um, Harwin. You blew it. You blew it. You blew it again, buddy. You blew it, you blew it twice. They are who we thought they were. They are who we th- All right, we let them off the hook. Yeah, no, I know. I honestly, runner up for not you blowing it would be Aegon because Allison walked in. Nothing worse than your mom, I guess, walking in on you. Well, you're yeah, but out, you know, but you know, he, he got back after it as soon as she left. Yeah, he was like, I got business to attend to. I gotta get, I got, he's like, I got a meeting with the small council. <laughs> Burn, gotcha, Aegon, you fuck. Just kidding, Team Greens for dude, life. That's buddy. your king, dude. That's my what king. My king. He, I'm his jester. He'd love it. Um, we are doing a Mount Rushmore since there was a massive time jump, and there will only be one more time jump, but it won't be massive. But it'll be, be new characters again for the children at least. But don't worry about that. Me and Chris are going to do things we would like to time jump to. Could be any point in history. Could be the future. Could be the past. Things we'd like to see. Chris, you you want you want to go first? Um, yes, I would like to time jump to the fall of Constantinople because uh. I would. Uh, stop that from happening and save, uh, you know, worldwide, you know, uh, Catholicism and Christianity and Eastern Orthodox and all that. You know, wow, that's crazy. I, I'm basically a crusader, is what I'm saying. Yeah, that's nice. That's nice. Honestly, I got to think of something noble because mine were going to be like jumping back in time to party. You know, I jump back <laughs> to the wild '70s and hit the disco floor. Um, I would like to jump back in time to the assassination of Abraham Lincoln and stop it. Like Interesting. Break John Wilkes Booth's hand and get some. I've been, I've watched a lot of Walker Texas Ranger and I think I could take him. What are you, that kind of reminds me of the guy in Detroit, like the security guard who's like always yeah. doing all these moves to yeah. disarm people. I just get Lincoln killed. In a, yeah, I just get him shot in a different way. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, that would be me. So, uh, my second pick is jumping in time to when House of the Dragon has their finale. Ah, to experience that then, emotional high. And then that way I can see where they're going to end the story, which I'm really interested to find out. And yeah. I could also just binge everything, too, and, and not yeah. have to wait a week. I would like to jump to um, uh, Game of Thrones Season 6 and be in the writing room with Dan and Dave. And I want to grab them by their shirts, and I want to say, with great power comes great responsibility. And then, yeah. and then I wanted to just like whisper in their ear, like "Earn this, earn this," and I want to do all the quotes oh. from movies. <laughs> uh, <laughs> or you could jump to um, Disneyland around the same time and just have uh, Walt Disney not offer them the Star Wars contract, and true. maybe they would have. You think that came straight from Walt? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, Walt's dead body. That came straight from Walt's frozen corpse. <laughs> all right, your um, third. My. My third pick is going to be going back to my first ever football game. 
and nice. I would have like been way better and not reeled the bench. Gotcha. And, I was gonna say, know. are we jumping as our current selves? Because you'd be adult thirty-year-old Chris playing like ten-year-olds. Oh yeah, that'd be yeah, pretty dope. No, I'm kids. in on that. That's great. Some Bishop yeah. Sycamore type <laughs> stuff going on there. They're like, check this guy's papers. Like, yeah, he's a kid. Although, I swear. I, there's like a 160 pound weight limit, so that that would be difficult to overcome. Yeah, but we could get there. We'll figure it out. I would want to jump to the first time I ever made love. I'll say for to keep it PG on the podcast. Like to yourself? No, no, to a woman. Oh, and okay. I would want to do it better than I did because it wasn't great. <laughs> we all we all have our learning experiences. Yeah, you gotta practice. You gotta iron sharpens iron. <laughs> <laughs> I would okay for my fourth and final pick. I would jump back to the first Deep Thrones recording. Wow. And I would let us know that we couldn't record with zombie noises in the background <laughs> on PlayStation. Oh, dude. And, and then we wouldn't have to redo the first episode. Oh, we've come a long way. Honestly, I, I should probably time jump to around the same time period because I got a lot of regrets. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, what what uh, my fourth and final, I would like to time jump 2,000 years into the future just to see what the fuck is going on. You know, and I just I as soon as I do it and there's just a statue of Trump and Biden making out and I'm like, something happens. <laughs> <laughs> something happens. You uh, better make sure you have like a, a revert button, though, if you do that, because you never know what kind of shit's going to be going on. There probably, I assume, would be no humans and it's just a wasteland. That would be my guess, but we don't know. We don't know. We'll ho- hopefully to find out. All right. So here's strategy with Lord Mims. One of my favorite new segments because it's the only new segment. Um, Chris, what would you do if you were Lionel Strong uh, about the Harwin Rhaenyra situation? Would you go to the king? And if you do go to the king and he said, speak it plainly, would you speak it plainly? First of all, I think that we have to we have to get together and dye, dye those kids' hair. Or like, You're going deep, it. huh? Yeah, I mean, you can't, like, you, you can't, there's so many people around court. We saw how many people were gathered outside of Rhaenyra's room when she had, when she gave birth. It's like you can't, you can't just like continue to turn a blind eye on that stuff because it all builds up. There's going to be questions to legitimacy. Agreed. You saw it in Game of Thrones, even like Joffrey with the blonde hair over. You know, his mom had blonde hair, but like even that was kind of a problem. So the for is the kid to have dark hair and both his parents have silver hair, it's just kind of like be be a little bit. You better. think, Put the, a wig on you the, think the hair part is the weird part because. That they're also that's a slippery slope. Next well, thing yes. you know, they're doing blackface well, with those kids. <laughs> well, you know, I think I think like you can't you can't have I don't know. I, I th- I'm thinking like from the fire and blood perspective on the right. book wise, like right. the Valerians were white, so that would be easily addressed with the hair change. It's tougher. You, know, you have to admit, that, that's, yeah, it's gonna be it's tougher. You know, yeah, yeah, I'm not going down that road. Um, <laughs> Not down that road. (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of cancellation down that road. (laughs) (laughs) But no, uh, Lionel, I think, like I said earlier, I think he did the smart decision, and the only thing left in his in his playbook at that point in time was to send Harwin back to Heron Hall. I think maybe he went with him to make sure that Harwin got there, or maybe he had some things that he needed to pick up and bring back. I don't know, but. Uh, it turned out not to be a good idea to go with him. However, you yeah, know, it, it. I think it was the best move that he had at the time. 
Yeah, that's good. I, I agree. I agree. Um, unnecessary titties. Uh, mine, uh, just like the, there was a couple things I think you could point to. I think uh, Aegon jacking off is like an unnecessary scene in its entirety. Why was he doing that? Is it just to show that he's like, does he have something from the books? Is he a deviant? But then masturbation is a little bit. Yeah. But, but then again, we don't want to like shame just jerking off. Like it's a very normal function for a young man, you know? So it's not like, he's not a deviant for doing that. Maybe standing out his window, bare ass, is a little weird. Right. I, I, I think it's kind of building up that he has this this thirst to want to get out and do weird shit in the city. Okay. And and maybe it leads to that, because in Fire and Blood, there was a little bit of that. He would go to whorehouses. He would be at, at you know, bars and stuff, just doing the doing the flea bottom thing. Gotcha. Doing the street of silk thing. Listen, we've all done it. Uh, but my unnecessary titties ended up being the the afterbirth scene because like she finishes yeah, and then like she stands up and the squishy squashy comes back. It sounds like someone's walking in like wet flippers. It's just like yeah. yeah. yeah it'll be interesting to see if they talk about how they made that noise in the in the house that the dragon built. <laughs> Some sound mixer just like yeah, we just you know really got into the goo. Yeah, we just made a batch of macaroni and cheese and just stirred it up. They're like the budget we have at HBO. That was real afterbirth. <laughs> you know, my unnecessary titties was the bullying of Amon. You know, they they brought out the they even named it the pink dread. They put wings on a pig and they made the pink dread. Yeah. I mean, that's just it's rude. It, it's unnecessary. It's bogus. And the, you know that schools that that courtyard's going to close down soon. And also, does Westeros have a PETA division? Because if so, they're not going to think very highly of that. Of what they well, did. probably the sheep burning would be more of the concern for PETA. That's true. I forgot about that one. Well, in fairness to me, I forgot about that. So, <laughs> I know. Vagar, Vagar is the coolest looking dragon. When I saw Vagar, I went full Adam Levine. I was like, oh, fuck, your body's fucking absurd. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love that. I love that they gave him battle scars, too. That's, yeah. That attention to detail is really cool. The, I love that. The dragon keepers also had like burns on them, which makes a lot of sense. And like, slash, I, I, kinda, yeah. I, I like that. That's little, a rough I like job. Those little things. That's a thankless job. I hope they're paid well, but they don't seem like they are. Um, trial by combat. So since there was a time jump in this, my trial by combat is a shitty original, and also I think the first shitty original, also a classic. It it really raised the Deep Thrones bar, and I'm doing a time jump with it. I'm taking fish fuckers, as you all remember, Jeremy Wade. Because I'd watch River Monsters and he'd catch these fish and he was like weirdly like, oh my god, look at it. And to my defense, Fish Fuckers came out years ago. Not the, not really the show, but my idea for it. And since then, he has become a meme sensation. Yeah, with it's crazy. Fucking, not the fish, but just the way he talks about the fish so easily relates to women that it's always like when I pick up this, it's all about picking up chicks. But in, keep in mind, he's talking about the goddamn fish, which is why I came up with fish fuckers. So, anyway, there's a time jump of fish fuckers, and, it's like a, and now it's like a basic cable sitcom. And he's married to a fish, and they have a daughter. The daughter turns out to be Ariel. It's the most ambitious crossover ever. She's the Little Mermaid. So, it's technically, not only is it a 10-year sequel to fish fuckers, but it's a prequel to the Little Mermaid. You might be like, well, the Little Mermaid, she has a dad and a mom, and, like, it's Poseidon. And I'll be like, well, they'll come up with something where it's like, she shouldn't live on Earth, let's send her to the sea, and Poseidon, like, adopts her. But that's, yeah. I like Fish Fuckers 2, the sequel. It's a sitcom coming to ABC this fall. I, I love that it's a it's a prequel and a sequel. It's a prequel like, and a sequel. We're, we're just yeah. hitting all the angles. I like some, it. Some might call that a trilogy. <laughs> <laughs> but I call it a prequel wow. and a sequel. 
the the prequel the, the prequel to the sequel yeah. to the trilogy. Yeah, I like it. No, I sign me up. I think we have Anna Taylor Joy play the Little Mermaid. Oh my god, dude! Yeah, she looks like a fish. Her eyes are on two sides of her head. She looks like a fish. She's gorgeous. <laughs> no, gorgeous. The Queen's Gambit, guys. We haven't seen so. That is uh, that's the end of the episode. We'll leave it, it at that. Let us know what you think. As always, please like, share, subscribe. Uh, the feedback keeps us going, guys. So it, we it, appreciate it. It's really appreciated, Chris. That's it for me. You got anything else? That's it, dog. That's it, Allison. Hit me up. Let's go fishing. <laughs>